I wonder if you'd consider with me just for a few minutes the shocking nature, the disruptive nature of the words of Christ Jesus, or at least the intention that his words would shock us and disrupt us and ultimately transform us. If you've got your Bible, if you just flick over to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, I want to just read a few verses and then give you a couple of thoughts and then give you one big thought, one big challenge, one big call to action. And I'll say at the beginning of this video that this is not the beginning just yet of regular videos. This is a something that I wanted just to get into the mix at the beginning of this year. For those of you who would have listened to the video that I did a number of months ago, before I mentioned, announced I was having a break from YouTube, um, within that I mentioned about the need for me to be preparing, taking myself aside to prepare, and I'm, I'm still doing that. And so I don't want to put a time limit, and I don't want this video to um, set a wrong expectation. It may be several more months before I am able to bring what, is on my heart with great weight and force. But for now, I wanna just bring this. So Luke 14 and verses 25 through to 33. Luke, the beloved physician, the scientist, the man who is naturally geared towards detail. Words are important, words, individual words. And this is what he says in, Verse 25 of Luke 14. Now, great crowds accompanied him. That's Jesus. Great crowds accompanied Jesus. And Christ turned and said to them, if anyone comes to me and does not hate his own father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, and even his own life, he, please say this with me, he cannot be my disciple. Verse 27, whoever does not bear his own cross and come after me, let's say it again, cannot be my disciple. For which of you desiring to build a tower does not first sit down and count the cost, whether he has enough to complete it. Otherwise, when he has laid a foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him saying, this man began to build and was not able to finish. Or, verse 31, or what king going out to encounter another king in war will not sit down first and deliberate whether he's able with 10,000 to meet him who comes against him with 20,000? And if not, while the other is yet a great way off, the first king, he sends a delegation and asks for terms for peace. Verse 33 of Luke 14, Jesus says, So therefore, any one of you who does not renounce all that he has, here's that expression and phrase for the third time, let's say it all together, he cannot be my disciple. What an appalling thought. What a shocking, what a frightening thought that it is that it would be for whatever reason, for any man or woman or child, that it would be impossible to be 
a disciple of Jesus. When we read in Luke's account here of the impossibility that it is to be a disciple of Christ, we should feel something like we feel when we imagine what hell is like. It is a frightening thing. It is a sobering thought. It's a And I wanna just say that at the beginning of this passage, we see that there are great crowds. In 2024, there are great crowds following Jesus, listening to him apparently. And three times in this passage, we hear Jesus, those words come off the lips of the Messiah. He cannot be my disciple. I'm not going into the detail of this passage in terms of each verse explaining what Jesus means when he says unless a man hates his relatives except I'm not going into that in detail I'm just making this point that there are situations there are contexts in which it is impossible to be a disciple in other words I think we take being the disciple a disciple of Jesus often for granted often it's talked about presumed to be the case when actually there is at least a question mark over the, the validity of that claim not to mention the health even if it's true what does it mean to be a disciple of Christ what does it mean to be a healthy disciple of Jesus Christ the one who's coming again it's a supernatural reality and in verse 33 as we are just considering what it is, what it might mean for individuals and for larger gatherings to not be able to be his disciple because of X, Y, or Z, we come to the standard that is probably not taught in your church. It probably has never been taught in your church. I can't even think of an occasion when I was taught this. Verse 33, so therefore any one of you who does not renounce all that he has cannot be my disciple. There's a very strong word, renounce. It's similar to, but not the same as, relinquish. I think Christian men and women who are in leadership and who have been adulterous and committed affairs and so on, I think they should relinquish their leadership at the very outset of the process of their restoration with no expectation of re-entering leadership. To renounce something is different, isn't it? I don't know what it means to you, but to me, it makes me think of something that I have previously agreed with. I think it's a public abandonment of something or someone you know, the reformers were under pressure to recant, or in other words, to renounce Protestant Christian faith. To renounce something, Jesus said, unless, unless a man renounces all that he has, he cannot be my disciple. It's a very strong word. And I want to just say this, as you might spend time reading this passage, reflecting on several other key passages surrounding this passage in Luke's gospel about the words that come out of Jesus' mouth regarding what we often talk about, discipleship, Christian discipleship. Can you ever remember 
your pastor or biblical teacher telling you that unless you renounce all that you have, you cannot be a disciple, you cannot be a Christian? I would suspect not. This is the big thought I promised you and I'm not after engagement on this. I don't need you to like this video. I don't need you to share this video. I don't need you to leave a comment. But if you happen to watch it, my prayer is that you would think about this, is that I believe we are at and within a historically unprecedented, unparalleled period of world and church history regarding what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. Not that the goalposts have suddenly changed in any way. What it means to be a disciple of Jesus today, as, as per what I've just read, has not changed, has it? It's always, it's always been that. The standard has always been the same. But this is the dynamic that I think is unparalleled and unique at this point in history, that genuine disciples, those whose names are written in Lamb's Book of Life, are in a, a, a quandary, they're in a, a difficult, agonising position between fellowshipping with other people, with other believers, in, an, in a compromised, unrenounced context, church context, that tolerates compromise in some way, let alone renounces. They're between that position or being alone, being lonely, being regarded as disobedient of Hebrews 10.25 as, and this is the challenge, is that this passage I've just read is all about counting the cost. It's about counting the cost as to whether you can finish building a tower, whether you can take on a king who's got twice as many soldiers as you, or whether you are actually a genuine disciple of Christ. And there is a cost, an immense cost. Jesus says, unless you take up your cross and follow me, it's not poetic in the sense of this is a, a, a literal death of who you are as an individual, who we are as individuals. Some of us may die. But unless you do that, you're not, you're not a disciple, says Jesus. So there's a cost, but there is also a cost for you personally, if you're a father or a husband and for your family. There is a cost if you don't renounce all that you have. There is also a cost. It's a false assumption that there isn't a cost. It's a false assumption that the cost of renouncing all that you have so that you can be a disciple is somehow more or greater or too much to pay than the other costs that are associated with compromise and just going along through the same treadmill of spiritual compromise. There are costs. There are, there are costs. And my challenge to you is to think, is 2024 going to be for you and for your family? Again, if you're a father or a husband or both, is this going to be another year where you pay the cost spiritually, which you may not even be fully aware of, of going through the motions, of continuing to falsely assume that the negative, the cons of just continuing in, in the same church, listening to the same compromised pastor teach the Bible or try to, are you going to continue to do that? Or is this the year that you can listen to the words of Jesus, the gracious, merciful, privileged words to you personally, where he says in verse 33 of Luke 14, unless you renounce all that you have, 
You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. You cannot be my disciple. What's it going to be? Thank you everybody for listening. It's a privilege and honour to be able to host this podcast in an ongoing way. If you'd like to support and get behind what we're doing either in this podcast form or in publishing work or over on YouTube with the videos, the extensive kind of growing library of videos there, please do drop us a line. We'd love to get in touch. If you want any more information, please do let us know and we can get that over to you. But there's lots of information. It's pretty obvious what we're doing and we would deeply, profoundly value your support. We're not part of a wider network of churches. We're not part of a wider denomination. We are literally solo. And so if you appreciate this work or if you know others that might, please do drop us a line and, as I say, see the link in the show notes. Majesty.